Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. August 1st, 2019, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, debate night round two for the Democratic candidates. We'll show you what you might have missed. Did Cory Booker really talk about Kool-Aid? <laughs> Black Voters Matter held a watch party in Flint, Michigan, where the residents are still wondering if they can drink the water. Also, the issue of Eric Garner's murder came up when Mayor Bill de Blasio spoke, and some of his hecklers were arrested. We will talk with Tamika Mallory, who was right in the middle of that. Two black women fighting to save the community in Chicago. Gunned down on a street corner. What the hell is going on? And a Water Valley, Mississippi man is brutally attacked by police officers, according to his attorney. And the FBI says conspiracy theories are a new domestic terrorism threat. Plus, an 11-year-old reporter schools a Fox News anchor. That really ain't that hard. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. 
two Democratic debate on CNN. Y'all know I didn't watch. I told y'all. But I saw some clips of some back and forth. Senator Kamala Harris, Vice President Joe Biden, folks got into it. Even Senator Cory Booker brought up some Kool-Aid. Here's a roundup of what took place last night. I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Fact is that the bills that the president, that excuse me, the future president here, that 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 the senator is talking about, are bills that were passed years ago and they were passed overwhelmingly. Since 2007, I, for example, tried to get the crack powder cocaine totally d disparity totally eliminated. In 2007, you became mayor. You had a police department that was, you went out and you hired Rudy Giuliani's guy. You en engaged in stop and frisk. You had 75% of those stops reviewed as illegal. You found yourself in the situation where three times as many African-American kids were caught in that chain and caught up. The Justice Department came after you for saying you were, you were engaging in behavior that was inappropriate. And then, in fact, uh, and nothing happened. The entire time you were mayor. Thank you, Sen uh, Senator Booker. You want to respond? Well, first of all, I'm grateful that he endorsed my presidency already. But I'll yeah. tell you this: it's no secret that I inherited a criminal, uh, a police department with massive problems and decades-long challenges. But the head of the ACLU has already said, the head of the New Jersey ACLU, that I put forth national standard-setting accountability. Mr. Time? Vice President, Mr. Vice President, I didn't interrupt you. Please show me that respect, sir. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you want to compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. Because all of the problems that he is talking about that he created, I actually led the bill that got passed into law that reverses the damage that your bills, that you were, frankly, to correct you, Mr. Vice President, you were bragging, calling it the Biden crime bill up till thank, 2015. Thank you, Senator. Vice President Biden. Number one, the bill he talks about is a bill that, in my, our administration, we passed. We passed that bill that you added on to. That's the bill, in mm. fact, you passed. And the fact of the matter is, secondly, the, there was nothing done for the entire eight years he was mayor. There was nothing done to deal with the police department that was corrupt. Why did you announce in the first day a zero-tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine um, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you, need to, you need to come to the city of Newark and see the reforms that we put in place. The New Jersey head of the ACLU has said that I embraced reforms, not just in action, but in deed. Sir, you are trying to shift the view from what you created. There are people right now in prison for life for drug offenses.
because you stood up and used that tough on crime, phony rhetoric that got a lot of people elected, but destroyed communities like mine. This isn't about the past, sir. This is about the present right now. I believe in Thank redemption. You, I'm happy you evolved. I want to bring in but Secretary. But you offered no redemption to the people in wanna, prison right now. I want to bring in. Yeah, let's talk about math. Let's talk about math. Let's talk about the fact that the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies last year alone profited $72 billion. And that is on the backs of American families. And under your plan, status quo, you do nothing to hold the insurance companies to, to task for what they have been doing to American families. In America today, a diabetes patient, one in four, cannot afford their insulin. In America today, Thank you, for those people who are overdosed from an opioid, there is a syringe that costs $4,000 that will save their life. It is immoral, it is Thank untenable, you, and it must change up, with Senator. Medicare for all. Uh, a lot of other stuff happened. Let's break it down with our pound. Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, President Emera, Emerita, Bennett College, Joseph Williams, senior editor, U.S. News and World Report, Michael Brown, former vice chair, DNC Finance Committee. First off, you had, of course, uh, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. She goes after Senator Kamala Harris about her record there. Uh, how do you think Senator Harris handled uh, the, the uh, questions, the charges from uh, Tulsi Gabbard? I was disappointed. Actually, Kamala, Kamala Harris, a friend... Bay Area native. Um, I think she did so well in the first debate. I think she did less well this time. She's great on offense. She's less well on defense. And that meant that she kind of equivocated. Now, the sister was a prosecutor. What do prosecutors do? Prosecute. They prosecute. So people going back on her record saying she was a prosecutor, yeah, that's what she did. That's what she ran for. I think Tulsi Gabbard, everybody knew that she was going to go after Kamala. It was reported in the media. And so Kamala should have been much better prepared. She could have eviscerated her, and she didn't do it. Here's the deal, Joseph. The reality is um, there are going to be things a prosecutor has done that people are going to disagree with. Uh, when you, when Gabbard talked about uh, the withholding of evidence, uh, at the end of the day, it either happened or it didn't. And for me, if it happened, that's when you say it was a screw-up. We should have taken that position. You apologize for it, then you move on. Uh, what you don't do is try to do what Joe Biden did with the criminal justice reform bill, where you mm -hmm. try to explain away, oh, no, you try to create an alternative reality versus coming out as like, there are some things that you actually screwed up. Uh, but as a pro prosecutor, you're going to be challenged on any number of things. Mm -hmm. uh, she talked about, oh, you laughed about smoking marijuana. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody said, well, smoking marijuana and, and selling marijuana are two separate things. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I don't think she, uh, her response was, was strong enough and she should have easily, that was going to come up. And I think what's going to happen, every other person who's running is going to look at that tape and say, in the next debate, I'm going to be hitting Harris on her record as DA and as Attorney General. Yeah, because you're looking for a moment. You're looking for a right. breakout moment. And those breakout moments, with her record as a prosecutor, they're, they're, they're practically littered all over the place. I mean, there are judgments. This is the way the criminal justice system works. And if, if, if you're trying to explain away, you've already lost the argument. But she mm -hmm. should have been better prepared. I agree with Julianne. And, and the thing is that Biden's, by contrast, Biden was involved with this from the jump. He right. was writing the laws as they were happening. And so you've got, a two, you've got a different dynamic. Somebody who writes the laws and somebody who's charged with enforcing them, you know, there's discretion either way. But I think at the end of the day that, that the, the record of a prosecutor is a lot more difficult to defend than the record as a senator who wrote the laws. Especially, Michael, the record as a prosecutor a decade ago is different than a progressive prosecutor today. So when she says I was a progressive prosecutor, 
a progressive prosecutor when she was a DA, it looks totally different than Krasner mm -hmm. today in uh, in Philadelphia. It's different than Fox uh, in Chicago. It's different uh, than Wesley uh, there in St. Louis. It's a it's a different uh, view. Yeah, I don't know why on, on some of these answers people don't say, you know, what times have changed, um, and maybe I've even evolved. I, and it, mm -hmm. it's easy, and then you can you're able to move past it. I think people are getting so wrapped up in trying to defend, and they They're don't stubborn. want to be wrong. They don't want no, to say they, they, sorry. Because the deal is, if I admit I was it, wrong, it, 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 I got to exactly. admit again and again and again. But but what's going to happen, Michael, is again, at some point, if you like Biden, if you stay stubborn on it. They're going to keep tagging you until you go ahead and go, go, hold on one second, go, go, go finish. No, absolutely. And that's, and that's I think, the challenge is we'll see. Obviously, this, is, this field is going to whittle down. Um, but I still, you know, you've heard me talk about this, and I, I will still contend to say it. I don't care who the last people are. The electoral, electoral college map, it is what it is except for five states. Mm. And it has to be somebody that can win those five. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, and uh, um, Virginia, Florida. First of all, you got oh, North no, Virginia, Carolina. Virginia, Florida, go back and forth. First of all, I think Virginia's in the mix. Oh, oh that's, Virginia's what, that's my fifth, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, well, Pennsylvania but, 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 and Pennsylvania. But i got to ask y'all this here, because, look, I, I listen Thank to you. all these, these ridiculous cable news shows that I can't even bother to watch. <laughs> and all the people were upset, like, oh, my God, they, they were going after Obama. Okay. Black people, let me help you all out. Zoom out. <laughs> zoom out. Zoom out. So I need y'all to zoom out. Okay? <clears throat> zoom out fast. Zoom out fast. Okay? Zoom out fast. Black people, <laughs> listen to me. He ain't Jesus. <laughs> I swear for black people, it's Jesus, MLK, Obama. Let me also help you <laughs> out, Joe Scarborough, and Mika, and Meghan McCain, and all of y'all out there who are the... Democrats have a 97% favorable rating of Obama. A favorable view of Obama does not mean he is above being critiqued. When you heard people last night, I want you all to weigh in on this, mm -hmm. criticize Obamacare, let me remind those of you who forgot. The reason the Affordable Care Act was unpopular wasn't because folks hated it. Republicans hated it. A lot of Democrats felt it didn't go far it enough. Not enough. The problem, how the mainstream media framed the Affordable Care Act, the Affordable Care Act is grossly unpopular among Americans. No, no. it was unpopular because many people felt there was to be a single payer. I th think it is ridiculous for people to act like you can't critique Joe Biden or critique Obama as if he was infallible, as if you can't say, oh, you know what? I didn't like how that was done. I've done it. White House didn't like it. And I don't give a damn they didn't like it. I still say he should have picked a black woman for the Supreme Court. Absolutely. Garland. Absolutely. But this notion, Absolutely. Joseph, that you can't say anything critical of eight years of Obama in a Democratic debate is idiotic to me. Well, it's bogus. I mean, it's not like uh, none of these criticisms have ever been out there before, right? And it's not like they're going to criticize him in the 2020 campaign. That's all uh, 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 Trump did in, in, in winning the White House. And not to mention the fact that you mentioned the Affordable Care Act and that people felt like it didn't go far enough. Let us also recall that there were a lot of conservative Democrats who felt it went too far. And that's you know, part of the problem. I mean, Roland, you interviewed me on my book, Are We Better Off? Race, Obama, and Public Policy, in which I got my butt kicked 
by uh, black people who feel like, how dare you criticize Obama? Well, the fact is that the man was better than his alternative, but he certainly was not perfect. And it could have been better. Could have done. But this, but this, but all of these people, like Democrats, what are you doing? You shouldn't be up there criticizing Obama. So, so the line that caught up, he was in Detroit. A lot of people are still pissed off when he drank a glass of water in Flint and said everything is great. And flip people saying, no, it's not. And or when he allowed Detroit to go into bankruptcy and there were interventions that could have occurred that did not occur because he refused to allow uh, the HUD and others to intervene there. But even more than that, I mean, now all these people are lo in love with reparations. I got tape. Well, I asked the man about reparations. He said, turn the camera off because... <laughs> That, that's a funny moment. But anyway, because he was like, reparations? I'm not going to have that in the same sentence with my name. More importantly, are we better off? The fact is that black people are not better off because of the Obama presidency. And he did some things that were neoliberally great, but he also did some things that ignored our communities. And when you looked at poverty, when it's... you looked at unemployment, you, I could call the role of economic indicators. It was horrible. Cory Booker said something to Joe Biden that we really need to reprise. He said, you can't have it both ways on Obama. You can't lift him up. I was his vice president. If he, if he thinks I'm okay, I'm okay. But then you don't want to respond to the question that Julian Castro asked about immigration. You can't have it both ways. All, 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 all I'm saying, Michael, and, and then, again, this is, this is the, the, the issue that I have, which is why I can't watch most of these cable news shows. <laughs> because it's as if nuance doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's as if people are so dumb that, oh, no, you shouldn't say a word about the man. First of all, he know there were Democrats who disagreed with him while he was in the White House. I saw no issue. I saw no issue with people saying on these issues, Mr. Vice President, where were you? Did you where were you on deportations? Where were you on mm -hmm. this? Yes, Obama was nicer about deportations but they still have Trump is but they still have I, I just I just don't just like I don't believe that if you're Republican running you couldn't say jack about George W Bush or Ronald Reagan or George HW Bush you can offer a critique and not be nasty not be mean-spirited I was actually just about to say that about Ronald Reagan Ronald Reagan the Republicans want to put him on Mount Rushmore you can't, you can't, you can't. The 11th commandment. You're right. You cannot say anything bad about Ronald Reagan or you'll be kicked out of the Republican Party. Not this Republican Party, the old Republican Party. So I don't know. But I t going back also to um, part of the issue related to some of the, the, uh, the crime bill of 1994, um, you know, there was the assault weapons ban was in that bill. Uh, um, women, uh, domestic violence was yep. in that bill. Mm -hmm. And black mayors all over this country were begging Clinton to sign that bill. So, again, that's why it's easy to say, you know what, times have changed. You say that, and you get past the issue. I, I saw a document, I saw, I think it was the ESPN 30 for 30, that was on Lynn Bias. That's a good, that's a mm. good one. Yeah. That's good. And what happened with his death, first of all, he was a star of the University of Maryland, mm -hmm. number one draft pick of the Boston Celtics. He dies, it's tragic, and what did Congress do? Congress did what Congress often does, which was the same thing they did after 9-11 and the Patriot Act. They rushed in, Reactive. passed a bill, Reactive legislation. did not listen to the experts say, slow it down, let's talk about what the repercussions could be
of this bill, and then they rushed the bill with Lynn Bias that ushered in a new era of drug laws, and then it was like, oh my God, what the hell were we thinking? The reality is, to Michael's point, that was the crime bill. If you play back, people say, well, Bernie Sanders voted for it. That's a speech on the floor where he said, it's going to lead to this, but I'm voting for it because of the protection for women when it, come, when it came to assault weapons as well. And, and that's, and again, that's where you can say, you're absolutely right. At that moment in time, this is the state of what we were in. This is where I stood. But as I look back on, we did not anticipate these things happening. And now let's fix them. That's all you got to do. So whether you're Biden, whether you're Harris, whether you're, whether you're Booker, whether you're anybody, it's okay to say, you know what? At that moment in time, mm. if I had a crystal ball, that would not have been my position. But yet, to Michael's point, there were black people, CBC members, the CBC. mayors, there were families who we were, we were in the throes of crack cocaine. It was people who were not alive then. And this is where I really need people who are Gen Z's and millennial people. That's where you got to stop and say, can y'all give me a sense of what the world was like at that mm -hmm. moment to understand exactly what was going on? You know, Roland, what's interesting, I want to go back to maybe it was like 1990, I'm not sure. Reverend Jesse Jackson, who has a home on 4th and R Street Northwest, said that he became nervous when young black people walked behind him. Yep. Now, there is no stronger civil rights advocate than Reverend Jackson, no more passionate advocate than our people. But he said he put it out there. I become frightened when some young brothers walk behind me. And so the majority of the CBC went with that crime bill. As Michael says, most black mayors went with that crime bill. There was obviously a media, um, how do I, almost conspiracy to gin this thing up. It was a, it was a hurricane. It was, you know, I mean, it was all these crazy black people jumping people. But the fact is that the sentiment of the nation because of this media ginning was that this crime bill was important. There was stuff in it, as you said, the Violence Against Women Act, which was important. There was some crap. I remember uh, some stuff. They put some money into midnight basketball yeah. and other yeah, stuff like that. It was like all that. that. And so... It was 100,000 new cops on the street. Yeah. And for everybody who's watching, let me help y'all out, okay? So, cause just because so, I know some of y'all are real special. <laughs> <laughs> we are not caping for Biden. We're not caping for Harris or anybody else we are doing is explaining to you what actually context. was happening in the moment is context and it's facts. Now, you can disagree with the end result, but you got to have the facts of actually what well, happened. Well, last thing, because I know you got to move on to another panelist, but the issue, Roland, is that somehow politicians can't acknowledge growth. So what Julian um, Castro said to Biden is some people have learned lessons and some people have not. Growth is natural. If we were, the, if I was the right. same person that I was in 1990, I would be a big old fool. Um, and so, you know, just saying, uh, and so, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. So, so it, we, we but, must evolve, but, but, and at positions Joseph, in our politics well, evolve. One of the things I wonder is, like, even though it was bad, and even though the results started to be known, there really wasn't a push to fix it. I mean, we're talking about several successive administrations, right? The crime bill in 94, 
and we're talking Obama took office in 2008 or 2009, right? Right. What happened in the intervening years when all these stats started piling up and you showed. People were making money, man. Well, real simple. Well, well, first of all, real simple. It wasn't a push because people were ignoring black folks and until they reached critical mass. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when the activists got involved, that began, it began to build up and change, and then became a groundswell there. Uh, but what happened was, it didn't change until people took to the streets. That was you. People were out. People were saying they they, they were issuing a clarion call, but it wasn't until people took to the streets. Yeah, got to force it, the leaders. That that's what did it. Yeah. And that's why for people who say protests don't work, no, that's where you're wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely wrong. All right, folks. Also, last night, uh, Black Voters Matter they actually had their event uh, in um, Flint, Michigan, at a watch party, and so uh, Latasha Brown and Cliff uh, they sent me this video to give you a sense of what they were doing on the ground there in Michigan. Your administration has come under fire after hundreds of children living in New York City public housing tested positive for elevated levels of lead. As you know, we're not far from Flint, Michigan, where residents are still dealing with the consequences of having lead in their drinking water. How can you assure the people of Flint and across the nation that you are the right person to handle such a problem? We have a huge problem, and it's decades old in New York, but here's what we've done about it. We've declared the eradication of all lead, literally ending the notion of lead poisoning once and for all as the goal of our administration, and we're doing something about it. Lead poisoning has gone down 90% since 2005, and we're going to literally bring it down to zero because we're going to go into every place, buildings, schools, public housing, and take out that lead, remediate that lead once and for all. And that needs to be done all over this country. Now, the federal government used to not take any responsibility for our public housing. For decades, they've been disinvesting in the public housing that was supposed to be a federal responsibility. That's part of why we have this lead crisis to begin with. But I'll tell you what you do when you're actually in charge of something. I'm in charge of the largest city in this nation. You do not accept the status quo. You fix it. And so we are going into every one of those apartments to make sure those children and those families are safe. And then we are going to eradicate that lead once and for all. And there should be a federal mandate to do the same for Flint, for Detroit, for every place in this country. Thank you, it Mr. Mayor. It can be done. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Secretary Castro, why are you the right candidate to solve this problem? Please respond. Well, because people don't have to wonder what I... And say Black Voters Matter, they actually had their own viewing party taking place in Flint, Michigan. They were on the ground this whole week. Here's what took place. Here today in Detroit, Michigan, as a part of the Black Voters Matter bus tour. And tonight we're going to hear from some voices all throughout this community who love where they live, but they also care about this country as a whole. And they want to hear and put forth ideas that are going to make this a place where they can live, survive, and thrive. We're going to be talking about from our perspective, what are the issues that we are concerned about, what do we prioritize, and what do we want to see in our presidential candidates. Just a few miles down the road, we got all these candidates that are going to be debating, again, talking about some of these policies, and we're going to be listening. We're going to be listening closely to see if they're talking about our issues, and guess what? We're going to be polling our audience so that we can hear from them what is it that folks were talking about or not talking about that you wanted to hear. We talk about minimum wage, about like the increase of the amount of money that a person gets. But what minimum wage actually does, it gives folks time. Give folks time to like do regular things that regular people do. Like my mother, for example. My mom worked two, three jobs. I played football in school. I did 
probably like three or four extracurricular activities that she never can come because she had to work that to provide for us. And even those small things add a value to someone's life that you can't measure. The issue that is present on my heart right now is the candidates addressing climate change. That reason being is because I am in a community that has a high rate of pollution and the pollution is having a serious impact on our lives. My daughter Darshell Cheney was sentenced to two years in prison by Judge Miriam Bozzi, who did not really hear the case. That speaks of unjust and unfairness in our criminal justice system. At this present time, I do not have a candidate in mind because I'm looking for a candidate that is actually full of integrity, honesty, and truth, and is going to fight for everyone because we all need justice, we all need peace, and we all need safety in our lives. This state has power and this city has power, am I right? We are asking for environmental equity, of course, because we know we are deep-rooted in environmental racism, and that means that corporate greed is above community need. Elections are just inflection points. They're not the beginning and they're not the end. They're just a point of inflection. Now, what happens in between that space depends on what it is that you and I do. Tonight was amazing. This is exactly what Detroit needed to hear from Detroiters, to hear from Metro Detroiters around the issue. The youth of this country are the next wave of freedom fighters. They're the next wave of organizing, the next wave of politicians. And as long as we show them the way, no matter what happens in this election, we'll have a country that cares about its constituents, cares about black people, cares about brown people, cares about queer people, cares about trans folks. And the list goes on. And we need a leader like that. And we need a country that respects and protects everyone. And until that day comes, I'm going to continue fighting. Joining us right now, co-founders of Black Voters Matter, Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright. How y'all doing? We are doing well. We are riding around in Michigan on the blackest bus in America. <laughs> uh, you had the event last night. We just showed the video there. Um, was it? Uh, how critically important was it to hear this from regular, ordinary folk, not people who were at, not people who could have got a ticket to the event, not politicians, but for the people who are directly impacted by these policies? You know, that's why we wanted to do the event. There were a couple of things, reasons why we wanted to do it. One is both Cliff and I, uh, we were tired of media pundits trying to say what black voters wanted. If you listen to pundits, you would think that all of us excited about Biden. That's not what we're hearing on the ground. When they're doing these polls, Biden, it might be the candidate that has name recognition, of course, because he was the vice president um, during Obama administration. And so if they're asking these polls, without context, of course, that's what they're going to get polling on. But what happens is it becomes the narrative that that's who black people are supporting and that's who they're excited about. And that's not what we're hearing on the ground. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to go into our communities more than necessarily this be centered around the president, the presidential candidates, but that it would be centered around our issues, that we would listen to our people, we would pull our folks together, listen to them, listen to their issues, and really get a temperature ourselves about what black, black voters want. Cliff, uh, obviously, 
uh, when you look at uh, the numbers, so much focus has been on black women voting Democrat, but the numbers don't lie. More than 85% of black men voted uh, for Hillary Clinton in 2016. How critical is it important to hear what black men want from the candidates? Yeah, no, it's critically important. And what we found is when we do these events, you know, we get a great mixture, you know, both at the, the forum we did in Detroit, as well as the one that we did in Clint. We saw sisters and brothers together, you know, all expressed some interest. And for the most part, as you pointed out, um, being very close in the issues that they were, were picking. And it's really worth noting that both nights, there was really overwhelming feelings that the candidates that were speaking to more progressive issues were the ones that were winning. And that was from, we heard that from black men and from black women. So there's no, it's, it's not an issue of black men being absent or, or disappearing, right? And recognizing, yeah, there's a gap. But as you said, 80, whether it's 85, 87, 88, whatever the numbers are in any particular election, that still shows an overwhelming amount of, of unity in terms of what are the issues that we find important and what are the types of solutions that black men want to hear. Uh, and obviously the next debate is going to be taking place, uh, TSU in September. Y'all going to be on the ground? We are. We're going to be in Houston. That's so right. you know if they come to the dirty south, we're going to be there. Right. So we're going to Houston to somebody's favorite college. Uh -huh. um, we'll be at TSU. Our goal is to be in Houston to do a similar thing. It was really powerful. You know, one of the reflections last night um, in Flint, there were a couple of things that stuck out for us. So when we were in Flint, we had it at a community center. Um, it, was, it was working class folks that were there that were from the neighborhood and around and was interested when Flint name came up, we were looking out in the audience to look at the faces um, of how people responded. And there wasn't like a sense of excitement or, oh yeah, they brought up Flint. What we did is we actually asked afterwards, three things came up um, with some of the people. One of them said, you know, we don't want to be a soundbite. We don't want Flint just to be a soundbite for campaign to someone Another one said, um, we're happy that people are raising the issues of Flint, but we know this has happened all around the country, and we're hoping that this leads to something greater. You know, and then the third one, well, actually, I wrote, uh, talked about what is some of the work that they're doing, where some of the community have actually worked with the scientists that they met in Puerto Rico, and they're actually working on this. They've got this machine that can actually do condensation and pull moisture out the air to create clean water. And so what they did say consistently is that the Flint crisis is far from over. The pipes have not been replaced. Many of the folks we met at the community meetings earlier that day were in bottled water. So here it is, you know, three years afterwards, and we're still talking about the Flint, Flint crisis. And what's interesting to me is why do you got to be a president? You know, many of those folks on that stage are states, they're U.S. senators. Come on. They're elected officials. Why do you got to wait to be president to deliver? If you're really serious about delivering to your people or delivering to our people, then you would show up. You just wouldn't show up. All right, uh, Latasha Brown, Cliff Albright, we surely appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, and uh, we'll see y'all at the next event. You in Houston for the next debates, Roland. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Keep doing, keep doing the good work. Thank you. Folks, uh, sad story out of Chicago. Two moms who worked with other mothers to end gun violence in their Chicago neighborhood were shot and killed this week. 26-year-old Chantel Grant and 35-year-old Andrea Stoudemire 
worked with Mothers Against Senseless Killings. They were killed in a drive-by shooting in the Inglewood section of Chicago. Police believe they were not the target of the drive-by. Folks, no arrests have been made. Talk about just an unbelievably sad story. Uh, we're going to be joined in a moment by the founder of Mothers Against Senseless Killings, uh, Tamar Manasea. Uh, folks, let me know when we have her on the on the phone here. Um, Julian, this is, I mean, to think that they, these, these first of all, these sisters staying on street corners, mm -hmm. trying to talk to young brothers, mm -hmm. trying to talk to young sisters to stop the, to stop the violence yes. and the killings. And to think that they end up dead. By the same violence that they were attempting to prevent. By the same violence they were attempting to prevent. And the, um, I won't say it's targeting of black women because this crap that's happening all over our country, the people with these drive-bys, we've had so many instances here in D.C., with children, just because fools just feel like they just go shoot up a neighborhood. Right. But the fact is that this is a, a, an insurmountable loss, Roland, yep. uh, of, to have these women who are activists, who are trying to stop violence, being violence victims. T uh, Tamar, uh, she's the founder of Mothers Against Senseless Killing. She joins us right now. Um, it is, uh, I, I can't imagine how you and the other mothers feel about the death of Chantel Grant, Andrea Stoudemire. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's It's been rough. It's been rough. It's rough, I mean, you know, losing them. But what's even scarier is right now, I'm literally sitting a foot away from where they were shot. We're on the corner right now. And it's the, these, these murderers are still at large. So it's really scary for us still sitting out here and doing what we do every day as kids out here playing now. How many, this is, how many mothers... Um, are in your group? How many mothers and how long have y'all been doing this? This is our fifth year doing this. And it's really hard to say how many mothers it is. It's just, you know, on any given day, this is just moms occupying a block. So on any given day, it can be five, it can be 50. You just never know what you're going to get from day to day. Um, people come out from all over Chicago, from all over the suburbs, just to hang out, just to mom with us. That's what they do. So it's not like you got to have a formal membership because honestly, people in poor neighborhoods, who got money to pay membership dues? Right. So we try to make it as easy and accessible as we possibly can to provide so many of the resources that have been sucked out of this community. And what you're doing is, and so explain to people what you're actually doing on these corners and on these lots. Um, well, we're about to start cooking dinner in a minute, but I'm just out here. I'm sitting. You know, sometimes that's, that's what stops the violence, just being present, showing up. You know, in the past in the past week, I've learned a lot about why things happen. And it's kind of like, you know, people have been asking, like, oh, what are you guys going to do different? You know, are you going to still be there? Are you going to do this or that? I'm not changing nothing. I'm not leaving. I'm not staying in my house. I'm not going to lock myself up because I didn't, I didn't kill anyone. These kids need us out here. Um, you know, I'm not, we're not, we're not going like, we, we're not, we can't go anywhere. We can't keep doing that. We can't keep running from this. We have to run to it this time. Um, the, you said that obviously they have not been caught. Uh, what are, no. Chicago, what are Chicago police saying? Nothing. They're not saying really anything to us. We, um, started a GoFundMe, uh, for reward money three days ago. And we were asking for $5,000 in three days. We've collected over $22,000 for a reward fund and we're asking cpd hey look this is us helping you help us that's what that's what we're doing right now you said people won't talk 
we have a $22,000 initiative, you know, like an incentive. You can do that. You can, people are going to talk, but what they have to do is they have to follow up on those leads that they get now. Fairly and honestly, we need them to do that. They can't say, hey, you know, um, nothing came out of it or that didn't work just because they feel like it's going to get us, you know, some recognition that they don't want us to have. It's not about that. Yep. You think we're not scared sitting out here with two mothers that were just healed? Literally, do you see it right over my shoulder? Yeah, you see yeah it? we see it. Like with mothers that were just killed out here the other day, do you think we're not scared sitting out here? That's why we came up with this reward fund so we can find these people. Because the, the question is not if they're going to kill somebody else, if they're going to kill again. The question is when it's going to happen. It's happening. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And so they have to do it. They have, they have to find somebody. We have to get them before they get us. Because, I mean, they've shot three women in the past month. And the two on Friday night died. It is uh, certainly is beyond sad. Um, our thoughts and prayers really go out to their families, to you as well. Uh, but uh, we, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, whatever information you have, uh, let us know. We'll keep putting out where should, uh, if people have any information, is there a certain number they should call with the police or just reach out to Chicago Police Department Homicide? Yep, that's, that's what they should reach out to, absolutely. All right, then. Uh, and if people also want to give to the uh, uh, reward, uh, where should they? Is there a phone number? Is there email? Go fund me. Go fund me. Stand against fear. Hashtag stand against fear. That's the campaign. All right. Tate Marbanasia, we appreciate it. You take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Um, man, Joseph, it's, I mean, these are just regular, ordinary sisters trying to save their sons and daughters. Yeah, and it's infuriating that they have to do this. And what to me is it's, it's almost of a piece with the Flint story because you've got neighborhoods that are that are that are broken down and it's systemic and it starts way back here and we get to this point and nobody has any solutions for it at least not any that will bring relief right away and and to have women risking their lives risking their lives just to try to bring peace to a neighborhood the police department ought to be ashamed. The, you know the, the the part of it that almost makes me uh, silent, which, as y'all know, is not a usual thing, is the notion that these police departments don't take this seriously. So the words, the term Black Lives Matter translates into the resources that go into trying to find these perpetrators. And when black people kill black people, white people don't give a whatever. And so this is something that we have to deal with it. Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, new mayor, but she has the opportunity to clean this crap up. And that, I mean, I, I'm sitting here looking at these women and looking at the ways that black women stand in the gap for their children and saying, why is it that yep. this is not taken as seriously as when some white girl disappears? Well, it's, also, it's, also well, it's like, oh, my whole argument too, right? Well, it's, it's well, very similar to the, uh, also the question uh, last night to de Blasio about why is that police officer still on duty, the one Hello. that killed their rent. There's the politics of the police unions in these cities that makes it very difficult. Like every mayor says, I'm going to clean up the police. There'll be no more corruption. Every <laughs> new mayor says that. The problem is you got to deal with the politics of the police union because you don't want to be perceived as either A, soft on crime, or you don't like the police. And so they have, so that's why it's not why didn't de Blasio just fire the guy and deal with it in court if it was an unjust firing? 
they won't do it because they don't want they don't, they don't want. They don't want. Union. They don't want to do that with the unions. Right. And, and of course, you talk about the Blasio being questioned about Eric Garner. First of all, there were protesters who were in the <clears> audience <throat> last night in the Fox Theater in Detroit who let their feelings be known. This is what took place. Uh, there were also chants that took place uh, interrupting Cory Booker uh, last night as well. Last week, the president of the United States attacked an American city, calling it a disgusting, rat-infested rodent mess. We need a nation that understands that these tired old language, the Stand by, Senator. I will stand by. Please stand by. Joining us right now, one of those folks, Tamika Mallory. She is the co-president of the Women's March. Tamika, glad to have you on the show. Uh, there were people who were saying, how, how dare they interrupt the black candidate? You address that issue on social media. Yes, yes. You know, it's one of those things like you had to be there to understand exactly what took place. And let me just apologize for the fact that I got to get out of my Uber right now. <laughs> you good. Uh, that, that's why the show's called Roller Martin Unfiltered. Exactly. We roll around. So, uh, you know, so, yeah, what basically happened was that during de Blasio's time of, you know, his opening statement, when he said um, that he was able to stop, stop and frisk. Yeah, I know. I'm coming right back. I'm sorry. When he said that he was able to stop, stop and frisk and he was sort of touting that particular issue to try to speak to, um, you know, what he's done with police. We would not allow that to just go by. Eric Garner was killed under the practice of stop and frisk. And so once he said it, it triggered for two of the members of my uh, my colleagues to speak out. So my son and also uh, my son, Lennon, excuse me, and, and Minister Kirsten John Floyd. So y'all had so y'all had no plans to do this. They, no, it was no, there was no plan. We didn't organize a protest, any of that. But when he said it, it triggered them to yell out, fire Pantaleo, three, two times they said it. And so once they finished saying it, we were done. We were back to the debate, just like we'd been there the night before. There was no disruption from us, but there were other people yelling out different things the night before. And so at the point that, um, at the point that the police came, it was about 10 minutes later. They walked over to us. First of all, another security guard came down the aisle right as after we finished, you know, after the, the, the chanting was done, he walked down the, the aisle and he came by and asked us, please just be quiet. As long as you're quiet, you can remain. We won't talk about the fact that black folks in the crowd were like, sir, excuse me, if you want to know who was protesting, let me show you them right here. So we're not going to even get into that. But it's a whole nother thing about self-hatred. But once the security guard left 
everything was completely fine. Everyone was quiet. About 10 minutes into the debates, if you notice, we make it all the way up to Cory Booker. And if anybody knows how it goes, it's back and forth for different people to get one minute. So when they came over, they wanted to take one person from our team alone. And we said, no, you can't have, you can't take anybody with you, um, you know, by, oh, well, we're just going to talk to him. We're not going to throw him out. No, we're not sending one person with law enforcement. You have to take all of us. And so eventually they began to remove us. And at that point, it was the open season. We had to make sure people knew why we were there and what was going on. And then it became a full-blown protest. The police exacerbated the situation and made it a protest because that is not what happened originally. Uh, de Blas, you posted on your Twitter account, I'm going to pull, excuse me, on your Instagram account, where uh, Bill de Blasio said uh, that uh, he heard what the protesters had to say. Uh, but also, go to my, go to my um, uh, uh, page, please. Uh, go to my iPad. Uh, Cory Booker tweeted out, to the folks who were standing up to Mayor de Blasio a few minutes ago, good for you. That's how change is made. Hashtag Dem Debate. His, right. his social media team didn't miss a beat. That's right. They didn't miss a beat. And I'm sure he had his cell phone back here on this podium where they asked him, is this cool? And he ag he agreed to do it. And so, you know, I'm glad that they, that they acknowledged us. That's all good. That sounds good. I'm glad that Corey used it. It was brilliant of them to use it as a moment to call for justice. And I'm really glad that Julian Castro um, and, uh, and Senator K uh, Kirsten Gillibrand really used the opportunity to, to address but Mayor de Blasio on the stage. Eric Garnick became a major point of conversation last night at that debate, and I do not believe that would have happened if we did not make sure that his name was called there. The night before, we got about five minutes on race, and people act like they were afraid to use the word black just the night before. Don Lemon didn't speak about race until almost the end of the debate. So we had to put it front and center, and I'm glad that it happened. Unfortunately, you know, it, it wasn't exactly what we set out to do, but the Lord works in mysterious ways, and we went with the spirit when it was necessary. All right, Tamika Mallory, always glad to have you on here explaining what took place last night. And I'm sure uh, all the mainstream media people, uh, you know, misconstrued it and said other crap. That's what we call go right to the source on this show. Thank you very much. De Blasio cannot speak as a, someone who was running for president of the United States and not be able to take care of his own city. He has to fire Pantaleo. All right. Tamika Barrett, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, that was to the point, Michael. You know, <laughs> it's interesting with, 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 is it Tamika? Yep. Tamika and the folks for Black Lives, I mean, uh, Black Voters Matter. Thank you for my sweatshirt, by the way. Um, you know, this energy is obviously wonderful. And when I, when I, what concerns me is, obviously, we can go back to 2016. And a lot of the Bernie vote, voters were very upset. Their candidate didn't win. And in November, they didn't come out because they took their ball and went home. With all this energy and people not liking number 45, if your candidate does not win, it doesn't mean you take your ball and go home. I know it's hard, but you'd rather have somebody that may be close to your issue than 45. But, they, but they're not doing that, Joseph. I mean, the reality is, uh, and I've spent time with Latasha and Cliff and Tamika at events. I've moderated things for them. What their deal is, we're going to hold people to account, mm -hmm. but we also are going to mobilize and organize. Well, there's no choice, right? I mean, accountability is one of the biggest problems with, with the current occupant of the White House. And, I th I, you know, per the discussion we had earlier, 
it doesn't mean that you are not in favor of this candidate if you have some things that you think need to be changed. I mean, that's how change is made, by protest. That's how you move people. Mm -hmm. Talked about it earlier. you got to get people in the streets. And protest does matter. And holding people to account does matter. And holding them to account once they're in office does matter. So it's all a part of a thing. Yep. You've got to get the right candidate. You've got to get them in office. Once they are in office, you have to hold them accountable to what they promised you. Julianne? You know, I wrote a piece four years ago called Head Hillary Heart Burning. Um, <laughs> and I was looking at it today for whatever reason. But just tried thinking about the role the Democratic Party is in now where you've got really great ideas. And then we've got the pragmatic people who are saying, who can beat 45? The play person who lives in the house that enslaved people built. I don't call it the other house. <laughs> the house that enslaved people built. So, you know, that's the dilemma always. But the fact is that had we Hillary, we would not have Gorsuch. We would not have had Kavanaugh. We could have lit fire under her hind parts and made her do the right thing. And that's the, the challenge. I applaud Tamika. I applaud Latasha. I applaud the work they're doing. But at some point, as Democrats, we're going to have to circle the wagons and begin to talk about how we get that idiot out of the White House. And that's uh, the house that enslaved people built. Yeah. And that's really the challenge. So I'm frustrated because it seems like uh, Biden was like a pinata. I mean, everybody was hitting him. He was like everybody had something to say. Um, Kamala was like a pinata. Everybody was coming at her. What we have to really look at is what do Democrats stand for and the continuum of our ideology and what can get that person who has attacked workers, attacked farmers, attacked okay. working class white people. He's gone after everybody um, and they are okay with but it. But here's a piece though. That is, you get your best candidate when they have been battle tested. Iron sharpens iron. And I do believe whoever comes out of the Democratic uh, race will be stronger as a result of being challenged because it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen by the Republicans. And you better be ready for it because in order to beat Trump, you gotta fight. But Roland. You gotta fight hard. But how many sound bites are we giving the Republicans? I mean, they're already matter. running that, these, that, these that 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 argument literally comes up in every single election, in every single debate. But at some point, it's simple. If I'm debating the three of you, I have to draw a contrast between the three of you to say why y'all should pick me. And so that's the reality. But here's the piece. They gonna bring it up anyway. And so I would rather you go through go through the fire to deal with this. And so when is so when they come at it, you actually have a much better response in terms of what to say. Real quick well, before I go. That's what Buttigieg said. Uh, you know what? If we embrace these leftist ideas, they're gonna call us socialists. If we embrace centrist ideas, we embrace he, he will call us socialists anyway. They will call anyway. a socialist. It doesn't no, he matter. Was great. That it doesn't was matter. Great from him. Gotta go to a break. We come back more Roller Martin Unfiltered just a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it.
Hey, Henry, uh, to go to my iPad, uh, breaking news from Christian Clark. Uh, she said, tweet, we secured a major voting rights victory for black voters in Mississippi. The Fifth Circuit agrees with us. It's time to put in place a fair map for the Mississippi State Legislature that will provide black voters an equal opportunity to participate in the process. And so that was a tweet she, did, she sent out a couple of hours ago. And so great job there, uh, Christian Clark and the Lawrence Community for Civil Rights Under Law. All right, folks, you heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at more than $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the United States and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. And they need land to grow all of the plants. Folks, it's real simple. Now, our good friends at 420 Real Estate, uh, their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed, high-paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. Now, 420 Real Estate has decided to do something special for the Roland Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Right now, you can invest in the crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200. That's right, as little as 200 up to 10000 Again, this is a $340 billion worldwide industry that is still growing, and you can participate with as little as 200 bucks. To invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org. All right, folks, before I tell you about this story, I want to warn you that the picture we're about to show you is quite graphic. And if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, I need y'all to turn away. Attorney Carlos Moore, who we had on the show yesterday, said his client, David Logan, was brutally beaten by cops in Mississippi. Logan was stopped in a routine roadblock during which he was told by the officers to get out of the vehicle he was driving. When he did, Moore says his actions were interpreted as running away and he was attacked. Logan was beaten so badly that he was completely naked on the ground before it ended. We will talk with attorney Moore and David next week. David's going to have a news conference. He's been on Monday, and he, he said, of course, they'll come on the show, talk about it. They won't talk about it beforehand, but we wanted to show you that. Talk about just an unbelievable story, and we can't wait to hear what he has to say about really what took place there. Folks, in the previously unpublicized document, the FBI describes conspiracy theory-driven domestic extremists as a growing threat pretty much the Alex Jones followers. They list a number of arrests, including some that haven't been publicized related to violent incidents motivated by fringe beliefs. The document specifically mentions, uh, is, is it Quanon? Is that what it's pronounced? A network that believes in a conspiracy against President Trump and Pizzagate, the theory that a pedophile ring, including Hillary Clinton associates, was being run out of the basement of a Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant. They're nuts. Trump is mentioned by name as it relates to conspiracy theories. And so, where you know white domestic terrorists are losing their damn mind, now they're going crazy off of actual conspiracy theories. Now, here's an update on the dodgeball case we told you about yesterday. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim, um, uh, first of all, the, the county prosecutor in Wayne County has dismissed a case against a 10-year-old boy who was charged with assault for hitting another boy, a white boy, in the face during a dodgeball game. Prosecutor Kim Worthy said in a statement Wednesday that although the charge is certainly sustainable, the case is being dismissed. 
I have no doubt that both families involved love their children and want the best for them, but I do think there is a better way to go forward at this time. Thank God for a black prosecutor. Hello. Elections have consequences. For some damn common sense. I mean, how is a dodgeball game escalated to a criminal charge by crazy, you know what, white people who have so basically put out this myth of white supremacy that a black child who hits a ball is going to jail. And, Mike, the mama said the boy, that her son was susceptible to hit injuries. Why the hell is ass playing dodgeball? Hello, <laughs> why don't he have a helmet on? No! <laughs> How about sit your ass down? Yeah, that too. Go play some other game, but he don't play... No. But, Michael, you don't play a game involving a ball Absolutely thrown not. at your head. No. no. You sit I'm down. I'm just saying, hold on. Your mama sit down. <laughs> Julian, I said Michael. I'm sorry. But, but damn it, let Michael talk. I'm sorry, Roland. I said I was sorry. Uh, Lord, have mercy. I, you know what? I, defer, I know Method Man watching. Yeah, Method Man, that's how it is. Go ahead, Michael. I defer I, my time to the doc. Joseph. <laughs> I yield. Right. I yield to my friend. Well, I'm the I chairman. I take I'm claiming my damn time. All right, y'all. Eleven year old Jay Jefferson held a master class in journalism on Fox News. Here's what he had to say when asked how he feels about Marianne Williamson. Now, you have, I, I think that um, you've had a chance maybe to Did meet Marianne Williamson, or, or at least yeah. you've been watching her. And what do you think of Marianne? Um, well, when I think of Marianne, I can't comment on that okay. uh, because that's just uh, that's just one of my that journalistic be, responsibilities. Because that would show some bias, right? Okay. We are yes. teaching people here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I, I like Dana Perino. She's a nice woman. But this is what happens when you put somebody who's not a journalist as a show host. Who asked that question? But then again, ain't like Fox well, News. Row. Not you just giving your opinion. Damn whether or not you're an anchor or a journalist or not, Blue Dobbs. <laughs> just saying. Jay ain't trying to school y'all. We'll be back at Roll Martin. <laughs> <laughs> You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. We need a revolution inside our own minds. Historian John Henrik Clark. All right, y'all. HBCU Giving Day, Denmark Technical College, founded in 1947, located in Denmark, South Carolina. Of course, if you want to support them, go to denmarktech.edu. That's denmarktech.edu. All right, y'all. You know what time it is. I'm white. I got you, Sisters, Shonda Stewart and Lakeisha Shaw were enjoying their dinner at Bonefish Grill in North Hills, North Carolina, 
when a crazy-ass white woman, Nancy Gutman, called them rude and complained that they were being too loud. Here is crazy-ass Nancy in action. So I am shocked because this person had the audacity right here to come to our table and tell us that we are the rudest people that she has ever met. Look at her. She told us we are getting off work. We paying for our food just like everybody else. And she told us that we are the rudest people ever. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What you gotta, what you gotta understand is that you don't know what people are going through. You want to come over here? She ain't going to come over here. Yes, she will. Yes, she will. Don't talk about that. 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 Don't talk about Oh, y'all. Now, of course, Nancy says she's not racist, but she said, damn it, I'll do it again. I'm a 71-year-old woman who lives in Raleigh. I suffer from tremendous anxiety. I'm not going to say I'm sorry to them because they put, kept pushing at it. So, And that's all I'd really like to what say. What about your use of the N-word? I used that word because they forced me into it. Do you see how that's incredibly offensive? Yes, I do. That's why I said it. So you're not Thank sorry you. about saying the N-word? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag team whip that ass. You know, man, I wish she had rolled up light. on me. It's the green light, man. I mean, but... But, you know, this Raleigh, North Carolina... was also 2019 with a certain <laughs> occupant where that kind of thing is okay. But there's I mean, permission. Yeah. But it's ridiculous. I mean, it's utterly... I hear that Bonefield Fish has now banned her from the place. Hell yeah! And they, Every restaurant in that damn city should ban her racist ass. Exactly. I can't believe it. I mean, I was looking, I'm like, what the block? <laughs> Starts at the top. Starts at the top. It does, man. There's There's an empowerment now. There's there an is. empowerment yeah, absolutely. for people to say, I was... But uh, see, that's the thing that people don't really understand. I mean, that, that, that this... He gives permission for this sort of thing. Yep. There's absolutely. oxygen. Absolutely. There's like, if the president says it, well, it must be all right. You know, wait, wait. And it's okay to, to like stomp around like Nazi garb and act all that like fools. Yeah. Without hey, ho you know, without hoods. On Saturday, I was out. But I got I got to read this one because uh, oh, I wish we had video. <laughs> this is in Oklahoma. Y'all have no idea. I wish we had video. Oh, I wish we had video. Uh, this is from uh, a TV station, uh, Channel Nine, uh, in Oklahoma. Y'all gonna love this one. A family trip to the pool took a very dark turn July 20th at an apartment complex on Southwest Fifth and McArthur in Oklahoma City. Witnesses, witnesses and police say 28-year-old Joshua Valentine targeted a black man who was at the swimming pool to watch his kids. Police said Valentine verbally then physically attacked the victim with a closed fist. The victim, however, turned the tables on Valentine and, they didn't say this, knocked his ass out. Hey, hey. When Valentine <laughs> awoke a few minutes later, he left the pool area, then returned with a baseball bat. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> Police and witnesses said he swung at the brother, who not only fended Valentine off with a chair, the victim then struck Valentine several times with his fist, 
knocked his ass out a second time. <laughs> Police ended up arresting Valentine for malicious harassment based on race. He spent six days in the Oklahoma County Jail. Mm. How come wow. six days and not 60 days? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> knocked his ass out. Uh, did not, did not, not warn white people. Y'all gonna come across the wrong brother. He said sooner or later. And you'll get your ass whooped. Nancy in the restaurant, like she didn't get her ass whooped. Let me tell you about something that happened to me on Saturday. So I'm at the Southwest Wharf, minding my business, which I do occasionally. Um, You know, we have, my sister friend and I had just finished kayak. White boy walks up behind us and tells us, let me instruct you as to how to stand in line. Wow. I said, the the operative word, how about, Somebody gonna instruct two black women with PhDs about how to stand in line when we're standing behind other people. Of course, I cussed them out, put the stuff on Facebook. Facebook put it down. But this is how they have been empowered. Hold on, you, you put what on Facebook? His picture. That was video? Yeah, I, had a, I just have his picture. Oh, come on, Julian! <laughs> how you... You want this picture? How I... long you been on this show? <laughs> <laughs> video. St- it was God, two of y'all <laughs> with PhDs. Somebody should say, get your camera. <laughs> I was just too busy cussing him out. No, you got to take a breath. Oh, you got to say, hold up, turn the camera on. <laughs> and then say, mother. I did say mother. I said a whole bunch I... of mothers. <laughs> but do you know, it was I like... I she ain't got no video, y'all. I got this picture. I got... God damn, about this picture? <laughs> Where did <he> video? <laughs> Tell me he going to instruct me as to how to stand in line. Instruct. That was the operative word. Can't instruct. a good ass moment. Go by. Okay, Roland. In future, so, black people, I, listen to me. So. <laughs> I'm gonna give y'all instructions again. <laughs> yes, Roland. Keep the camera on me. No, on me. Black people. <laughs> Class is in session. When you are encountered by an ignorant ass white person, a crazy ass white person. This was ignorant. This is what and I want crazy. you to do. The moment they roll up on you, I want you to grab your phone. And see, I need y'all people with your Androids to do this here. Understand? iPhone. Slide left. No need to put the code in. If you at the bottom, slide up. (laughs) Get the camera right there. If you have an Android, get off the phone, Mike. You have an Android. I'm practicing. You have an Android. There's a camera in the bottom right-hand corner. You press it. Joseph, you got an Android? Uh, nope. iPhone. Practice In the bottom right-hand corner, you hold, press it down, and slide it up. No need to unlock. But this is the most important thing. I need you to turn your phone sideways. Sideways. <laughs> Horizontal. So that way, when I show the video, it fills the whole screen. No black bars on the left and the right. This is how you shoot, okay? You shoot this way. And you shoot the whole scene. Now, dude, I need y'all to also be steady. I want, y'all to, I want all of y'all at home. I want y'all to practice your technique. Matter of fact, Henry, now go to your wide shot. Joseph, no, Joseph, that's bad, because your fingers may get in the way. Look, Joseph, look how this is done. All See right. this here? Yep. Two fingers, back to me, back to me. Two fingers <laughs> in the middle. Right, Index finger on top. Pinky finger on the bottom. You oh, don't put it go. deep in, this is how you take a selfie, too. You don't put it deep, you put it right there, along that line right there. Now you can do this. <laughs> now you have flexibility with your thumb. This is how you take a, go wide. This is how you take a selfie. This is how you take a selfie right here. 
and you shoot video. Look at us. Okay? Now, what I want you to do is, I need everybody to hold their phone up. I don't need shaky-ass video, okay? I need you to stick your arm out. I need, come on, stick. Come on, damn it. Julian, come on. All right, we'll stick it. No, you're, stick it's vertical, Julian. Horizontal. You're covering the lens up, Julian. Other hand. Fingers. You cover the camera up. <laughs> Look, y'all, if the camera's on the left side, put it okay, in your right yeah. hand. So what am I if, doing wrong? Here's the other deal. Flip it. Boom. Left hand here. Come back to me, Henry. Right here. See that? Left hand. Watch this. See that? Right hand. See that? Left hand. See that? Right hand. See? It don't matter. Okay? Okay. That's how you do it. Always know where the camera is. This is how I need y'all to record crazy-ass white people when they saying and doing stupid shit. Because we need to have video. Because we are trying to get every one of them fired. Video works. Your picture ain't gonna work. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, I have been duly instructed. Thank you very much. That's right. <laughs> duly instructed. We're gonna upload that to be a separate video. Instructions on how to properly identify crazy -ass and capture crazy-ass white people. They out there. All right, folks, they thanks for joining us today on Roller Bart Unfiltered. Uh, absolutely fantastic show. Tomorrow, I'm gonna be broadcasting live from Santee, South Carolina, where Congressman Jim Clyburn is having his scholarship tournament. Every year, they raise seven hundred thousand dollars in scholarships for 150 scholars and so the golf tournament is taking place on saturday and sunday i gotta fly in tomorrow they got the reception i'll be broadcasting from there talking to one of the scholarship uh recipients so we look forward to that uh and so i'm back on the road tomorrow and then all next week i'll be on the road for miami the national association of black journalists convention um vice president for digital so i kind of got to be there so uh, we'll see y'all there next week. Hit him so, straight, uh, Roland. Hit him straight. Always, always. <laughs> you know, it's an Omega's tournament, which means... That's right. Know, I, of I course it is. That's why I had to say something. Of I course it is. got to win it. You know how oh this going to go down. Oh, my. That's how this going to go down. Remember, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? So, oh, Michael, oh, what's, what, what's that? What's that? You know what that is. Well, I'm sorry. You know what that I'm is. Sorry. That's, that's a, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a small cufflink. Ooh. So, oh, yes. Oh, yes. My, my, my alpha life member cufflinks are larger than that. You can see them from across the ocean. I'm just saying. OMG. All right, y'all. Y'all want to okay. support? See, Mike, you shouldn't have walked in that. Come on now. Come on now. I had you know, to do something. You know who's got one in my hip pocket. You know Come on now. <laughs> Come on now, I always got one in the hip pocket waiting. It's your show. No, no, no. It don't show. matter. If it was your show, I would have come back ready for you. <laughs> oh Joseph, my. Julian, Michael, thanks a bunch. And to all of y'all who are watching, next time when you're on the show and they say, Michael, your turn to speak. If your name's Julian, don't start talking. <laughs> all right, y'all support Rollerbart Unfilter by going to Jonah I Bring the Funk Fan Club. Go to RollerbartUnfilter.com. You can pay via PayPal, Cash App, uh, as I'll well as uh, I'm missing one, Square. Uh, every dollar you give goes to support this show. And you know what? I got to really thank all of our followers. Because let me tell y'all something. We got, we got about 3,000 people who have given to our show. And I've only had about four people complain saying they haven't gotten a mug or a T-shirt. Everybody said they want every dollar to go to make this show possible for our staff when we go on the road. And so I appreciate that. Uh, and so, again, uh, we want people to give an average of 50 bucks each for the year. You can give per month. You can give one time. You can give recurring. If you want to give more than that, we have some people who have given $500 or $1,000. But every dollar makes this show possible. Why? Because it's important to have independent media. Mainstream media ain't talking to that sister in Chicago. Mainstream media wasn't calling Tamika to find out what happened at the protest. Mainstream media wasn't talking to Latasha and Cliff about their Black Voters Matter and wasn't running their video. That's only on this platform.
that's why we matter. So please support us at RollingMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, I got to go. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.